Hi, this is regular Tony again. Thanks for listening to season one of TMI with Tony and Michelle. To wrap up the season, we're doing a two-part episode on trauma. So we'd like to give a trigger warning simply because the content is centered around trauma and its effects. However, this two-part episode does not contain detailed accounts of sexual abuse or severe physical, psychological, or emotional abuse. Rather, it focuses on more subtle, repetitive events that result in reactive trauma. We hope to see you all in season two. And on behalf of everyone at the TMI headquarters, Balding, thanks for listening. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. So funny. I <laughs> I love the interview. Is there feedback? Are we good? A little bit, but that's okay. Is it? I can hear you good. Your intro. Oh my God. So I did, obviously I didn't hear the last one. So like when I was listening to it, dude, I spit my coffee out. You had me laughing. Like, oh my God. And then I had like a few people comment about like, oh my God, Tony's intros kill me. I was like, it's Anthony. I didn't say that, but I was. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm going to, I'm just like, you're like, you need to, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I had text messaged you and I was like, dude, I got to step it up on the intros. I guess I'm going to have to record a few. And then I listened to one of your Marco Polos and it was like, you're going to have to do a few of these intros. <laughs> so it's like, ah, oh, uh, mine are going to suck compared to yours. Hi, I'm Michelle. Like, <laughs> holy moly that's funny because you know like i was saying on that marco polo when i'm by myself i'm just shouting things like that <laughs> when <I'm, laughs> that's just like my default mental state is just running through fictitious scenarios that i find amusing. Uh, <laughs> so you know no pressure or anything you like no pressure to go into one of your main characters i was like you know, the crazy thing is, is that we all have those like internal archetypes, characters, you know, so it's so funny, like warning, like just the different voices and characters that come out of you. I was like, could you imagine if I pulled through the depths of my character pool, what we could actually pull up? Like, you know me like when I'm, you know me when it's 630 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. You know me when I haven't showered to brush my teeth. So like, right. It's just so funny to be like, you know, that craziness, you know, the crazy that comes out when DJ and I start playing on each other's energy fields and shit. So right. I'll have to do, <laughs> I'll have to like do the recordings after you guys get me going or, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, whatever it takes. <laughs> You're like, yeah, just get your shit together and get no, it. <laughs> I want to see, see what comes out of the depth. Holy God, a little bit of me wants to see that too. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, so we all know my guides are like the mafia. They swear, they smoke stogies, you know, they like give me important messages where they like stand up and like push an envelope across the desk. I'm like, could you imagine the depths of my characters that would come out? They'd probably be like some really sketchy characters in that bunch. Yeah. So it's awesome. <laughs> It's so funny. We're like, we're like wicked lighthearted. But the total conversation that we were having is about trauma, reactive trauma, and like what the havoc it wrecks on our life. I think this is so funny that we're like, hey, should we start recording? We're like, yeah, 
We're laughing. Like we're yeah. And we're like, okay, we're gonna do trauma. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nervous laugh. Everyone's like, oh my god, my dog, my dog died. I will laugh, not because I think it's funny. I want. I'm dying inside. I'm gonna start crying in a minute. But my default is to giggle. Why is that? You know, like ha ha ha. We're gonna talk about reactive trauma. I was ruining your life. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. Because <laughs> I think because laughter and 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 crying are so closely related. It's this. Uh, it's this emote, right? It's it's yeah. the uh, your body's injecting emotions out of you through sound. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. All right. So let's kind of get into a little recap because God knows, and anybody who's continued to listen to our podcast knows that we tend to jump in mid conversation. And our biggest things like, ah, uh, hell, did we make that make sense now? Because we start offline, kind of like rack through like what we got going on and rap with each other. And then this kind of organically flows. So one of the things that we've been talking about is trauma. And one of the things that we do as adults is, or even as children is we compartmentalize what trauma is. And then we like rate it based on like, well, that, you know, well, at least it wasn't that, but what we're not, we're not understanding is that trauma is a, is a vibrational effect and it causes havoc, no matter if it was justified because it was a quote unquote as severe as somebody else's. And we have to stop defining it like that. And the other thing that we wanted and started touching base on is reactive trauma and how react, you know, it's really hard to swallow the pill that maybe your entire life and most people's is, is is like based on reactive trauma and the parameters we've built over desperately trying to prevent a yesterday's heart from happening today. Mm -hmm. And and it really is sneaky because the longer it goes undetected, that is really reactive trauma, the more irrational fears it starts to create. And when irrational fears start happening, we create a completely irrational lifestyle and one that's not sustainable. And it can really build into different areas of resent, whether that's internal or external. This is a lot where relationships will dissipate. There's a lot that happens here. And I think reactive trauma, I think we're all reactive trauma right now, especially coming out of 2020. So this is kind of where we were at. And T, you want to kind of s- summarize a little bit of what we talked about too? Sure. And just these things would, were coming up from that I didn't even remember from grade school and when I was a kid that I didn't realize at the time were a traumatic event that in that they made an energetic imprint in my energy. Mm-hmm. That affected anything that I correlated with, with those events. For example, explain the one that that I had told you about. You could just to, so that I'm not speaking so generally. That yes, please. Uh, sure. When I was like probably about ten years old, and I, I was tall when I was I had I was young when I had my first big growth spurt, and so I, I didn't look ten, but I was walking home from school, from the school bus, and people were pouring uh, concrete. They were repaving the road. And I was walking by these apple trees near my house, but I was walking sort of on the concrete, and it was still like a little bit smushy. And then I would hop off, and then I would hop back on. And one of these people who was working there yelled something at me stay off of that thing okay i'm walking i'm talking i'm daydreaming and i I jump back on the thing and i'm I'm walking on it and 
this one guy ran up and then I didn't see him coming, but, but he ran full force and like an adult male and shoved uh, off my feet and onto the ground. So I, I got up and I was hurt. I wasn't in, in need of emergency medical services. And then the foreman, I don't know, the guy running the, this particular job came up to me and was like, sorry, that guy's an asshole. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. You know, I'm like 10. And it was, it was awkward. I didn't quite understand whether the guy at that time was concerned about me. It seemed like he wasn't actually concerned about me. And later as an adult, I'm realizing that the implications of someone working, attacking a kid and all of the shitstorm that probably would have went along with that, that the guy was actually thinking about. So then throughout my life, something that has come up when I've been weirdly triggered when someone has a strong emotional reaction to something that I did not anticipate them having a strong emotional reaction to. I'm like, you need to get out of here or you're going to get shoved and you're going to hurt your back. I didn't realize when that happened at all that that was a traumatic event. It sucked, but you know, there was lots of stuff that that sucked when I was 10 years old. I didn't realize that this would be something that would stick with me uh, for such a long time. And then didn't come up anytime recently. But then when I have a moment and I'm alone starting during when, when Mercury went retrograde this time, that popped into my head. This, this, and this need to understand what happened, what I told myself was a truth. And, and I'm allowing my, you know, myself to be triggered or, or act a certain way based on this, uh, you know, rule that, that I told myself as a defense mechanism and many more things like that coming up for me usually, and not because I'm triggered by them, just when I have a moment to sit with myself, Yes, it enters into my head, right? Yeah. Can be uncomfortable, but like we were talking about with holding the mirror and and with I have accountability here is, you know, we you and I have have really sort of trained ourselves to do that because through doing it we've seen the benefits of it. So I've been working at that because the universe has said, well, whether you like it or not, this is what we're doing right. So this is the energy and thought pattern that I'm sending through to you going inwards and backwards uh, to look at some of these things and the effects of some of these things to see what's still serving you and what's not. Yeah, it's really, you know, I thank you for sharing the whole thing. But one particular thing that really stood out was I didn't know it was trauma at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was so powerful, that statement, because I think that's going to strike a chord in every single person listening. It sure did for me. Because most of the time we don't realize we think the trauma is the big stuff. We tend to like generalize our trauma as good or bad or severe or not severe. But really, we need to reevaluate and define what we call trauma. Trauma is the level of impact it left on us emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. Hmm. It is not that doesn't need to be defined by, well, I wasn't sexually abused, but I was emotionally manipulated. 
will tend to be like, well, at least it wasn't that. But there should not be an at least because you're holding the same energy because of the abuse left the same imprint. So if you were to take my trauma and you would say, wow, you know, she was in a car accident. She had head trauma. Oh, she was sexually abused. Wow, that's, that's a lot. But really what my trauma, my main trauma that runs my life is the little ways that I was emotionally invalidated. I was um, made to, you know, question my own self-worth through the perception of how others saw me, the labels and definitions, those things. And although they were not, I wasn't being beaten within my household or I wasn't being sexually abused again, those things were the ones that did the most damage. Mm. And because we as a society will compartmentalize our trauma, I'm not allowed to say that that emotional neglect and manipulation and invalidation was my worst trauma. What I'm supposed to say is because I was molested, but that's not the case. Right. A lot of the times these little emotional and spiritual injustices cause the most internal turmoil and, and disconnect. And that is trauma. And we're invalidating it because it's not what we define as the most severe trauma. Trauma is trauma. There's nowhere to put that. So those little cumulative things that happen throughout, you know, and it's, and it's not just like malicious. It's not. A lot of it is, is just blind ignorance of invalidation. It's just it's society repeating itself. But when we see the chains within our families or we see the chains that, of like the um, manipulation or little things, it could be invalidation or being talked over, being called a liar. When your perception was different than somebody else's, it could be all of these things. But let's say that happened twice in your life. You're probably not going to remember it. But if it's something that keeps happening and has happened and is now just as an adult is continuing to happen, you are in reactive trauma. You've been in reactive trauma. You don't even realize it. That's why situations in life keep repeating the trauma to you. Well, yep. So it's really trauma is so deep that we got to stop labeling it as severe. No, it's not that bad and label it as trauma and just leave it at that. It doesn't matter what the trauma was. It matters that we know how to deal with the trauma so it doesn't keep, so we don't keep penalizing ourselves for it. We don't know how to, again, how to, how do we take it and you and be our own voice when many people listening to this have faced that invalidation to trust oneself. So it's now time to like, I guess, bring that back a little bit and have this conversation. And maybe some of these areas are going to resonate with you. Maybe there's some reactive trauma that we talk about or some situations and some examples that resonate. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, snap. Yeah. Trauma. And how, what do we do with that? And you, you're so on point with all of everything you just said, Michelle. And that was a really, really great foundation for this conversation so for me having had these spiritual gifts early on and not really understanding them you said something about invalidation and so when i was younger i would get these downloads these they were akashic downloads they were information received spiritually intuitively and I mentioned this in, uh, I think in the discernment episode, but they, they would often take the form of a memory of something that didn't happen to me, but I'm getting it all at once. I have it all at once. 
as though it were a memory already in my brain. So there were a lot of times growing up where I would start talking about something that happened to someone or something that someone, quote, said to me, and we'll be told that's making up stories. Don't make up stories. The boy who cried wolf, that's lying. People won't believe you. You didn't talk to someone who said that, right? And I'm not blaming my parents for saying that. I think it's actually like probably the most normal reaction, not really having insight into into their own spiritual gifts. But the way that that affected me, it it had a, a strong impact and a reactive impact because now, even still, when I get downloads that that take the form of a memory of something that happened to someone else, I get uncomfortable. I almost feel uh, ashamed. And... I have to navigate that and I have to do work on that before I can process what the message is and, and, and go forward from there. And I've, I've gotten pretty good at that since I, I've started putting that work in. But at first, I needed to be aware that that was a trauma and something that I was reacting to and that there was this thing that I was trying to avoid being told that that's not true, you know, and, and that that. Had, was having an automatic response to it and then start working on changing my perspective and taking a step back so that I'm not in a reactive state in order to deal. Right. So you just spoke my childhood for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I've started having psychic. I mean, my first one obviously was like at the age of five and that was around a car accident that happened and, you know, that I have my head trauma from. <clears throat> And that invalidation, which what I was doing is I was getting psychic messages, but I was feeling I was getting messages from dead people as well. So I would say something to somebody that was most likely a trauma of theirs or something that took them completely back. And instead of going into that, and imagine how fucked up that was to have that be like, oh, my God, you know, it was they were like, what the hell was that? And or. I was saying secrets, meaning I didn't know that so-and-so didn't know that about you. You know what I mean? Like I was being shown very intimate internal secrets and I was saying them outwardly. So it was like, you're a liar. That's not true. That's not this. And I think that many, many people listening to this are going to feel that on a soul level of like, yes. That's what was going on because these labels of that's not real. That's not happening. That's not right. That you're a liar. Don't make up stories. Here she, he, he goes again. Here she goes again. That like, you know, in my house, there was like, oh, and then there was a fire. Like everyone would laugh at that. We were doing a fire drill. I was petrified and I was seeing people die in a fire. I didn't know what was going on. So for me, when we were about to like, you know, your parents go out, you're all in your bedrooms and they're like, meet at the oak tree out front, you know? So for me, in my head, I was so heightened to the energy field because I went into fight or flight and all my senses kind of came active. And I didn't know what that was at that age. When he hit the fire alarm, it literally, I thought we were going to burn to death. My entire thing was, everything was, what if there's a fire? Like, I was petrified. That became like a joke, but it was such an invalidation because it was wrapped up in a severe fear. I was horrified petrified of fire, petrified of all of that. And more so, I 
I was like, oh, Michelle's making up stories. Oh, and then there was a fire. And that was one of the main reasons why I didn't go to my parents and tell them that sexual abuse was happening. Because the person who was doing that knew that they weren't going to believe me because it was such a household thing that like I was so in my psychic abilities after my car accident and in my energy field, I almost didn't navigate through the main senses. And it was so fucked up internally to go through that. So to share those deep things and to know that like, I really believe that that's going to help a lot of people make sense of why they were labeled certain things within their dynamic of the people around them and, you know, maybe within families, you can call it a black sheep, I guess now. I don't know what mm. you know. <laughs> right. it transpires into adulthood, but that invalidation, and maybe it's not around the spiritual gifts, just the invalidation in general. You'll hear me use the example of you're, you're a little kid and you're two years old and you're walking and you hit your knee or your funny bone for the first time, right? Or you're, you're, you stub your toe. And, you know, that hurts. That is a pain. You feel it in your bone, you know, it's a pain. And, and the normal thing that an adult says, and the normal reaction in society is, oh, it's not that bad. It's fine. I know that really hurts. Oof, but like, walk it off, right? Right. Yeah, walk it off. To a two-year-old that's literally listening to their entire system that they're not disconnected to, and they see the adult that they trust wholeheartedly over themselves say, it's not that bad. Don't be a baby. Walk it off. You know, okay, yep. hurt, but it's not that big a deal. Holy shit. For a two-year-old? Right. As bad as sexual abuse. You know what I mean? It's it's innocent. But right. The level of trauma it causes because the person gets too. We're not assholes being like, oh, don't stop your toe. Or if you did that to your kid this morning, like don't beat yourself up over that. That's the conditioned response, but that's the trauma we cause. So like, we can't be aware of what trauma is. We won't know that until later. So when we're aware of our trauma, it is time for us to harness it and not let it become irrational thinking, irrational fears, and not let it be reactive trauma, which takes accountability. It takes not deflecting. Wow. Yeah, that's huge, Michelle. And I want to point out that the awareness part is the what we're doing here with this podcast because that's a necessary and important first step. But there were so many things that you just covered there that are so huge and a big one being how quickly trauma compounds and leads to further self-invalidation, further validation from others and other traumas. And it's, it's all because of something that is not true mm-hmm. that we're telling ourselves and not just telling ourselves, but it's a new law of life that we, we start acting in accordance with. And then the fact that that is, is rooted into something that is not true, just everything that spawns off of that, it, yeah. it creates a momentum uh, more it invalid assumptions. Based well, let's off. take the two-year-olds. That, let's yep. play with the two-year-old example for a minute, right? So it hits their elbow, right? It has that reaction for a month. Now, the next time something happens that causes that same feeling, they're going to look for that reaction and it's either going to solidify it or it's going to change it. Most likely, it's going to solidify it. 
And then before you know it, anything that feels like pain of hitting a funny bone is going to make you go into a non-trusting, self-subservient like role mm -hmm. because you have been invalidated to trust yourself for anything that has ever felt like that vibration. Now imagine the emotional parts and all the other parts that go into that is not related to a physical injury. You know, whether it's somebody didn't like that you wore tie-dye socks one day when you were two, so now you won't wear anything of color. You know, Susie, the popular right. girl said this, you know what I'm saying? Like just yeah. something as little as that, that then the next time you weren't accepted by your peers, it just invalidated the fact that you can't express yourself and you're not worthy of being seen or heard. Yes. And we go down yeah. that. So we're looking like, I'm like, okay, not everybody. Like, let's not all go into our fucking trauma. That's not what this is about. In fact, this is why I really do believe what people called the end of the world in 2012 was really you know, with the minds and it was a turn of the, of the energy. And we've been doing the work to untether the trauma, to untether needing to go into that trauma. There are times where you're going to have to go in and save yourself. Absolutely. I had to do it the other day. That happens all the time, but our traumas are not meant to be felt and experienced again. And in fact, we don't even need to make a storyline with them. Most of us are going to feel traumas that have similar vibrations to ours because we, when we're feeling, that means we're feeling everybody around us who can't. And that's like a 20 mile radius. Because the heart is an electric magnetic field and its radius is huge. The brain's like 12 feet. The heart is miles. So like you're going to feel whoever is having something going on within that field and you are ready and you're going to feel your own stuff. You're going to feel it for everybody connected to you and people around you they don't even know. So your job isn't to make a storyline to it. Who gives a shit if it's true or not? Is it affecting your world? Then fucking process it, dude. It, the effect crying, it, by the way processes means sitting in it processes means don't go get your phone and do a crossword puzzle because you don't want to sit with that processing means being present and saying it is okay that i'm feeling this it doesn't need to be right or wrong it doesn't need to be good or bad it doesn't need to be mine or fucking henry's down the street i am here now i am processing this pain and i release it it is no longer serving and in its place i welcome nothing but life force energy. That is calling in what you want. That is God energy. That is taking what is not serving you and putting it down at the lap of Jesus and saying, I don't need this anymore. And fill me with the light that I need for my highest and best. And that is putting down the trauma that most of us carry as labels because man, is it good to have a fucking Trump card you can pull out when you want to bypass. <laughs> right. It's yeah. That shit down too. A friend of mine who is also a therapist and trained in trauma gives a really good example from their childhood where one of the sort of repetitive traumas that they had was they were told, okay, this weekend we're going to go to Six Flags or, or the carnival or, or wherever. And then the weekend would come and then their parent would say, no, we're not doing that. You kids are so bad. I can't take you. Anymore. And for years and years, this person wasn't aware of just how strongly that affected them and how deeply ingrained it was from being re happening repeatedly over and over again. And that when they finally realized what uh, the impact that it had, that there was this association now that 
when when their needs or expectations weren't met, it was because of a defect in their character. And that's simply not true. There isn't an association. But they've first had to process that, just like you're saying, exactly. This is you explaining uh, how to process that and sit with it is what prompted me thinking about this. Uh, because they said that first they had to process the fact that that shouldn't have happened and that it was painful and sad, but that that part of their life is is in the past. They can learn from those experiences with their own family, exactly like you're saying, releasing the the pain and reactive trauma that's not serving them anymore and welcome in the positive energy and effects of change that can come from that now. And the right. positive energy, absolutely. And the positive energy comes from asking yourself, am I responding or am I reacting? Reactive trauma is when we are reactive to every fucking trigger and we are making it like it's out of our control and that everybody, nobody can piss you off. Nobody can make you feel a damn thing. What you're feeling is a trigger. And instead of being like, wow, that is, why is that bothering me so much? And going inwards, you're mad at the person who's triggering you. So what you're doing is you're just reacting to the fucking stimuli that is externally. When you are given a gift, each time you have a trigger for your trauma or anything, you're given a gift to say, am I reacting or am I responding? Am I giving my power away? Am I using my power in a good way? Like meaning like, am I about to respond and be proactive to the situation? No reaction is a reaction. No response is a response. That's no, you're in a responding mode. When you want to react, I always say, practice the pause. Holy smokes. Our first reaction is our programming. It is instantaneous. It's like a switchboard. Oh my God, it's electricity. It's faster. It's vibration, right? It's instantaneous. You practice the pause and, and, and see what happens after that knee-jerk reaction. Things are so much different. Breathe for a moment. Give yourself that permission. Be like, am I like aiding to like the misery of my life right now? Like, what am I doing in this chaotic cycle if you're not happy or you find out that maybe I have built my life in trauma? Maybe I just had trauma because of the year we just had. Maybe I'm in trauma because, you know, I'm a new parent. Like, that's how it happened for me. That's how I really started seeing it. So, like, whatever your triggers are, go into it and say, there's trauma there. And I don't got to figure out what it is, but I got to re stop re reacting. I got to start responding. And that's with accountability. That's what's taking, like, that's what's looking at it and being like, oh, I can't throw that on this person anymore. Because most of the time, what reactive trauma is, is the perpetual need to punish the person or the situation that's happened to us and prevent it from ever happening again. So it's a vicious double negative. It's not doing anything. It's causing us to be in that loop, which the law of attraction will just keep giving us whatever that is to keep hammering in that fucking trauma until you take it. And take control of it. That's called co-creating. Like, that's what you got to do. You got to look at your responses and look at your reactions. And you have to adjust accordingly. And listen, some of your responses should be reactions because some of our trauma causes us to be passive aggressive. Causes our silence. We think our silence and no reaction is actually bypassing and avoidance. So some of it is not necessarily, you know... Some of it is like, I, I don't know, a different level, I guess. Do you have anything to add to that? 
I'm trying to think because there's a lot of things I want to say. The first thing was that the awareness part is is not necessarily easy. That's why, because if you take a hammer, uh, a doctor hammer thing, and you hit someone in the knee, the knee jerks. That's where knee jerk reaction comes from, right? You, you don't think about it and decide to, to kick your foot. It wouldn't be a reaction. It would be a response if that's what you did. So be forgiving with yourself through this process because yeah. reactions in, in their very nature are difficult to identify before they happen. It's after they happen and sometimes several times after they happen before you can start to discern, hey, what just happened there and look at it and what could I do differently to respond instead of react. So, so that was the first thing that I was thinking there. And then the, I get what you're saying. We're going to want to edit this out because I think anyone, anyone with uh, trauma. So, so pretty much everyone is going to be like, oh, that's directed at me. Of course. Well, part of me is like good because it's fucking go time people. Like I, all who's listening to this is obviously on the same wavelength as us. Like, right. People who are not are like, oh, okay, these fucking people are out of their body and mind. And they're like, hang up or like throw the phone or being like blocked, whatever that shit looks like. I don't fucking know. So I'm assuming that people who are listening to this know that like, obviously it's by default that if this shit is not going to be easy and we're not going to invalidate or try to lessen it. But because my guides are like mafia people right now, and that's because of uh, you get me hyped earlier, our conversation <laughs> before, um, I'm like, we need to hijack this shit. Like, you want to hijack what that feels like so the next time you can see if you're reactive or not, go into your most cringeworthy moments, the moments that you beat the fuck out of yourself for, the moments that plague your mind when you're in self-deprecating vibrations where it's like, wow, you totally could have said something better than that. I can't believe you embarrassed yourself. Look what you did. Oh, my God. Go into those cringe cringeworthy moments and remind yourself that that is when you were being reactive. And so remember those vibrations. Why? Not to beat yourself up, not to use them as a bat, again, to beat your over your head, but to remind yourself what the vibration felt like. Because if you allow that feeling to happen again within your body, you'll see how your body responds to when you're being reactive. If you go into a trigger or a reactive moment and you feel your body, it's flipping out. Your heart rate's different. Your breathing's labored. You could go from all of a sudden your blood is through the roof, right? And you're hot, like it, your body's reacting. Maybe you feel like you are doing a plank, but you're standing. And so every muscle in your body is tight. Maybe you feel numbness or you can't feel your body or everything's distorted. Look at what that's happening in your body and let your body be the tool for you to be like, oh man, this might be trauma. Or maybe this is something that I have as a protective me mechanism and like I'm perpetuating some irrationality in my life mm. admitting that isn't like oh my god you're so fucked i'm admitting that is freeing yourself of it because you're shining light in darkness you're shining light in an area that perhaps you didn't before so if this is hard reactive and it's like oh my god and this is sending you into a trigger you don't need to go through that trigger alone there are so many different processes to like uh, help you through that trigger so like the completion process is one of those things i'm certified in that that's a a technique that is goes into trauma and helps you integrate it. It's, you know, it take it with a grain of salt. Some people may be completely turned off by that method. Some people may find very intriguing. There's other similar methods, but like 
stuff like that. And we've already created, a, uh, have we? Did we create a safe space with everybody? Yes, we did. Right? Today, right now? No, in general. We had that. Oh, yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, yes. So, like, that would look like bringing in, you know, that fractured aspect of yourself or that trauma into that safe space and healing it and integrating it or what that looks like. So, if there's really heavy duty trauma, like there, and listen, I know and have witnessed the healing of so many people by witnessing, acknowledging, and freely working on not responding to their trauma. And I'm talking trauma that's, it could be religious cults, it could be molestations, it could be people who have been on the other end and have criminal activity, like any of that, feel the level of pain, like Guys, you didn't go through that. If anyone knows that level of what I'm talking about, and I don't even need to get into it because I don't want to start crying and I don't want to lose track. But if you have that level of trauma, okay, whether it's the littlest thing or something so, so severe, I want you to, to know that you don't need to wear it as armor of protection and you don't need to feel it as a painful reminder. And if B and Tony aren't, you know, aren't a drive for you, I have, so many people that I all over the world that specialize in probably what trauma you're dealing with, like specifically that I can outsource you to, because this isn't about you just seeing us. Oh, there's so many people in our Pendaflex for you youngins. That's like an old phone book <laughs> <laughs> that we yes. can like refer out. What you were saying about the completion stuff reminded me, this is sort of a general example of anyone is hearing this and thinking, wow, I wonder, I wonder what completion is, right? That, if that Rose metaphysical anatomy, uh, and she gives this really good example of how different animals will process trauma differently. And it's in the beginning of the metaphysical anatomy, the part that not a glossary or, or dictionary, but it's text. And she explains about a video that she watched where there was, I guess we'll just say it's a, it was a gazelle in nature in African plains or something. And it went to a watering hole and then a lion snuck up on it and attacked it and it had to run away and just barely escaped. And it ran and ran and the video captured all of this and it ended up losing the, the lion lost its, its trail and its scent and the gazelle kept running until it reached this clearing and it's, it slowed down, eventually came to a stop. It stood there for a second and then it completely collapsed. It shook violently. The whole body shook violently, collapsed to the ground and appeared to be dead. That she says in the video that, that watching it, it looked like this thing had a heart attack and died. But it lays there for a few seconds and then gets up, does another little shake. And then goes about its day. And that what that was, was completely and fully processing and completing that traumatic event. That gazelle is not going to say, I can't go to the watering hole anymore because going to the watering hole means getting eaten. That event happened. It processed it. And it's moving on. And if another event comes up, then it will deal with that on the terms of what's happening then, not on the terms of what happened to it in the past. And I thought that was a really, if only we were gazelles, but uh, I thought that was a really good example. Of, yeah. In a nutshell, 
what completing and processing trauma sort of is. Well, that's called somatic processing. So somatic therapy and somatic processing is a part of us as mammals that we have stopped doing over time. And that doesn't mean that the need to do that isn't there. So there are somatic therapists that are just absolutely amazingly gifted to help people through somatically processing. Because a lot of times with trauma, you'll find that you've processed emotionally, you've processed your reactions, you've processed, you know, how you, it affects you on a daily basis. You've processed the emotions, but we didn't process through our body and our body holds everything. Everything is stored in our fascia tissue. It is tight and it is there. So when we somatically process, you know, that's what it means. Like, what does it feel like in your body when you're triggered? That's somatically processing, witnessing how our body reacts and allowing it to react like that. So allowing your body to respond. So we don't shake it off quite literally. And they're like, shake it off. Like that is literally a biological response, like a dog shaking water off. Like that's quite literally what we should do, like the gazelle is we should somatically process. So a lot of that like survival and the processing of trauma, because we don't do it like the gazelle, there we are. It's processing on this level, you know? 